0: To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod.
1: Welcome to the Death Panel. Patrons, thank you so much for supporting the show. We couldn't do any of this without you. And if you'd like to help us out a little bit more, share the show with your friends, post about your favorite episodes, pick up a copy of Health Communism, or pre-order Jules's new book coming January from Verso called A Short History of Trans Misogyny, or request them both at your local library and follow us at deathpanel underscore. So, today I'm here with my co-hosts, Artie Vierkamp. Hello. And Abby Cardis. Hello. And we're going to be dipping into clown world and talking (laughs) about... This really awful opinion piece published in the British Medical Journal of Evidence-Based Medicine, co-authored by some of our familiar COVID adversaries, the piece is called How Methodological Pitfalls Have Created Widespread Misunderstanding About Long COVID. It's by Tracy Beth Hoag, Shemez Ladhani, and Vinay Prasad, and it argues that Existing epidemiological research on long COVID has created basically a too large definition of what a genuine case of long COVID is. And so these three allege in their op-ed that this has led to a distortion of risk where too many people are now at risk of believing that they're sick when they aren't quite sick enough in their (laughs) opinion. So this is not a super surprising position coming from these folks. We have talked about Prasad at length on this show. He Yeah, like um, from
0: the guy who brought you do not test anymore for COVID and the idea that the COVID vaccines are part of, quote, a universal campaign to medicalize all of society. Is Pfizer making more money from the people they're saving or are they making the bulk of their revenue from their universal campaign to medicalize all of society comes this new
1: (laughs) yes unsurprising
0: take yeah (laughs) if
1: you liked his past hits uh you'll love yeah no i'm joking so prasad for those who don't know though um he's a hematology oncologist um known for his substack uh, bad podcast and pandemic minimizing, and you know being a big fanboy and participant in what is called the evidence-based medicine movement, which is not the kind of good thing necessarily that it sounds like at face value. Um, now, the other two co-authors, uh, one is Tracy Beth Hogue, who calls herself a physician scientist and a parent advocate, and she's best mm-hmm. known probably for her um, <laughs> yeah, her involvement in reproducing the narrative that COVID is really no big deal for children, um, that we should definitely actually send those kids back to school, get them infected. It's part of how they build their immune system. You know, she's one of the co-authors and co-leaders of the Urgency of Normal document and crew. And the third co-author, Shemez Ladhani, who is a UK-based pediatrician and epidemiologist, He's well-known for writing and doing knowledge production that argues that masking children is either useless or dangerous. It depends on the piece, basically, or I guess on his mood. He's also, uh, in the last year, really focused his attention on you know reducing the amount of COVID vaccinations that kids are getting. Um, his advocacy has really been focused on the idea that vaccination will not prevent long COVID, ergo, there is no point to vaccination um, for children. So basically... <laughs> These are some of our, you know, rogues gallery of COVID mitigation haters who, you know, come together to put together this op-ed and argue that we really, 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 really need to put up these firm and hard boundaries around the category of long COVID.
0: And I think it also goes a little bit deeper than that, because I think when we first saw this paper, in a way, you know, my first reaction to this, which has gone around a lot, I think a lot of people have critiqued it. Quite a lot of people also have just uncritically regurgitated it, particularly like in the UK press, actually this like really went around. And of course this gets reproduced as like study says X, right? Like study says, even though it's not a study, it's an opinion Mm -hmm, piece. mm -hmm. Uh, Study says, you know, prevalence of long COVID is uh, overstated. (laughs) And it's just kind of this thing that people therefore are too worried about. Um, We should stop worrying about it quite as much, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I think, I, th- I think the reason that we wanted to talk about this in particular, not only because as B is mentioning, it's kind of like a perfect overlap of these like clown world figures like Prasad, who we talk about relatively frequently, though we, I think, try to talk about them as little as possible, because for us, the pandemic is not about individual personalities, it's about kind of the overall, you know, schema or, or whatever. But I think for us, this sort of paper, this kind of opinion of theirs captures, I think, what has been one of our main concerns with how the medical professions under capitalism may respond to long COVID over the long term, basically, which is to say, as we'll talk about over the course of this episode, talking about this paper, deciding we need to, you know, severely limit who does and does not qualify or or whatever. We need to be like very seriously from the very beginning, rationing resources and kind of drawing these lines between who is a verifiable or deserving, -deserving, non-deserving long COVID subject to the point of even suggesting that we should, you know, sort of do away with this term,
1: uh, Mm -hmm, long COVID. mm
0: -hmm. Like they suggest very plainly in the paper, we should, you know, do away with long COVID as a term so that people are not identifying with it, Mm -hmm. essentially.
1: And as we'll get into, for a paper that is centralized around the theme of the limitations with existing methodologies, there are a lot of methodology problems within their own argument. And they are making all these claims, again, about methodology itself, partially, I think, because it is, you know, both you know, their regime of expertise, but also because it makes it harder to parse where they're actually coming from. But Abby, yes, Abby will help elucidate that and articulate those nuances as we go through it. Um, But first, I think we need to stop and take stock of what this is and what this is trying to do. You know, as uh, already said, this is an op-ed, but is, as it's been passed around, it's been treated as something that is much more uh, like rigorous yeah. or, yeah. or uh, full of evidence than it actually is, which is worth noting, like right from the top. And it's been referred to, not just as this thing that it isn't, but as a study that invalidates prior long COVID research, which is really yeah. important. So this is not only being overblown and it's being claimed that this also supersedes and invalidates prior understanding and research on long COVID prevalence, on what long COVID is. And it also, you know, is being treated as fact and given the kind of deference and respect that a personal account um, that embodied expertise of long COVID, your own fucking experience of long COVID will never ever receive. And I know that is so fucking frustrating. So I just for all those folks who are listening, who are experiencing long COVID, who have been living through long COVID, I just wanted to name how infuriating it is to hear these motherfuckers talk about this shit this way.
2: I want to say something additional about what this document actually is, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it is it is an op ed But it's classified if you go to the BMJ. Now, the BMJ is fucking responsible for this because I don't know how this shit made it through peer review to begin with, (laughs) let alone as being what it is classified as. So there are typically different like types of articles or things that get published in scientific journals. Like there are commentaries, which are basically like op-eds. And then there are like analyses, which are typically, you know, like data analyses or some, you know, some type of like experimental study finding of some kind. And this thing is classified as an analysis, but it is not that it has no results, you know, like the authors did no analysis. They consulted no data. And not only is it not an analysis, it's not even like there are two types of sort of like scientific paper that like summarize a body of literature. Mm-hmm. Um, there is what's called like a meta analysis where you're summarizing a body of literature and like doing math on it. Basically, you know, it's kind of like very formal. And anal- now you might like try to pool the data or like try to calculate uh, or harmonize all of the um, the results across different studies. But this is certainly not that. And then there's like a, a more qualitative version of that that's like typically called like a systematic review or something like that. And even that is pretty rigorous. You know, like if you're going to review the balance of evidence, like the body of literature that exists out there um, to do a systematic review, you know, you have to set pretty stringent criteria for how you're going to search the literature you're going to identify like which types of studies uh you're going to look at you know what i mean you're going to figure out some way to like evaluate the 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 quality or the reliability of the evidence in all of those studies this isn't that either <laughs> you know what i mean like they just like fucking googled i don't know what like 12 articles about long covid i know that the long covid literature is a lot bigger than that you know, is a lot larger than that, but they're not, you know, it's not even any kind of systematic evaluation of the long COVID literature. It is literally just them cherry picking a couple studies and doing honest to God, like first year epidemiology, like study critique. Like if someone had (laughs) turned this into me in one of my classes, I would have failed them for it because, um, (laughs) you know, it's just like, it's not, uh, it's not systematic. It's not rigorous. And we'll, we'll get into some of the like methodological issues and, and what the debate about that kind of really means later on. But like, I just really want to emphasize how fucked up it is and how, I mean, honestly, I think people should complain to the British Medical Journal, to the BMJ, um, because this kind of thing, I mean, this kind of thing should not be published. It should not be published under the head, the heading of analysis, you know, because as you said already, this is how it gets taken up. And this thing that's completely made up, a completely fucking made up op-ed that they've just cherry picked studies, you know what I mean? To to gloss over uh, is now being reported as a definitive finding right. that establishes that the prevalence of long COVID is overstated. And that is absolutely not what it does. But like, yeah, I don't know.
1: I just, I just wanted to no, make definitely. that super, super clear. Yeah, no, thank you for that, Abby. That was so good.
0: I'm glad that you set us up in that way too, because I think it's really easy. Like I was, I think the way that I wanted to enter this was first ideological sort of before we get into the methodology. But I think it's really important Mm -hmm. that you brought that in to just remind us really quickly before we get into any sort of the details of what is being asserted here, whether ideological or methodological, uh, that this is, if you look at it from a perspective of kind of like knowing how the social construction of science works, this is both, as you're saying, a misclassification and basically like totally cherry picked information in order to make their points which even Mm -hmm. in the assertion of their points it's like they don't i mean whatever we'll we'll get into the problems with it in in a moment (laughs) but i think that it's important to um name before we start going through some of the things that it asserts i want to just sort of really make sure that we are grounded in an understanding of the types of ideological imperatives that this position paper basically on long covid just completely wears like front and center like wears right on its sleeve and and these like ideological imperatives I think ultimately shape both the conclusions that they come to and also shape I think the entire nature of the question that they think is the most important or whatever to ask about long COVID. So to to get into this, I want to just, I think we need to look no further than what is in this paper labeled. I know this is a silly thing to do, but literally looking at the key messages box, like there's a box that says like, Mm -hmm. this is the key takeaways. So I'm just going to read really quickly. There are three key messages that they are trying to convey about long COVID through this paper. One, The existing epidemiological research, they say, on long COVID has suffered from overly broad case definitions and a striking absence of control groups, which have led to a distortion of risk. Meaning, as we'll get into in a second, the term long COVID is too broad, and that means that people have a distorted quote-unquote view of the risk of long COVID. Two, the unintended consequences of this distorted idea of risk... May include but are not limited to increased social anxiety and healthcare spending, Mm -hmm. a failure to diagnose other treatable conditions misdiagnosed as long COVID, and diversion of funds and attention from those who truly suffer from chronic conditions secondary to COVID 19. Mm -hmm. Third, future research should include properly matched control groups, sufficient follow up time after infection, and internationally established diagnostic or inclusion and exclusion criteria. And I just want to highlight a couple things really quickly before I just turn it back over. But I want to say, first of all, is in the first one, the idea of quote, increased distortion of risk, right? Like, sorry, are you saying it's not happening or that it's not real? Are you saying that it's real? And it's some sort of, uh, it comes like the, the argument comes to mind that it's like, you know, they're suggesting it's sort of in people's head that it's a social contagion, that people are like seeing that long COVID exists or seeing the prevalence of long COVID reported in the media that, and that they're deciding that they have long COVID, even though they don't ooh, or something. It's mass hysteria. Um, and then I just again, I just wanted to like hone in on two things. They are fixated on this idea of this, uh, quote, increased social anxiety and, quote, increased healthcare spending to hear the full episode become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to this and the rest of our catalog of patron-only episodes, and be the first to get a new patron episode every Monday when it drops. With love,
1: the Death Panel.